Welcome back to the Gibbs Spotlight. I'm Camille Germany, Assistant to the Directors at the Gibbs College of Architecture. Today, I'm talking with Dr. Ajin Lee, who is an Assistant Professor for the Division of Regional and City Planning. Dr. Lee received her PhD in Urban Planning from UCLA in 2018 and has been working at the Gibbs College of Architecture for a little over two years. Welcome to the podcast, Ajin. Thanks for having me. So I'd like to start with your origin story and wonder if you could talk a little bit about what led you to the planning discipline, your area research, and OU. Yeah, sure. So in undergrad, I was majoring in psychology and Asian American studies in part because I was interested in the role of race and individual outcomes. And so that kind of was my major at the time. But I was working with a professor who eventually became my doctoral chair in my PhD program, and he was doing a lot of really interesting projects about housing and kind of disparities across cities, and that's the first time I really thought about anything for kind of different outcomes across space, like bigger beyond one person. And so we did a lot of projects on also looking at the role of um, ethnic banks and lending and kind of these like group specific institutions. And so that eventually led to me uh, working for some nonprofits in Los Angeles who were focusing on Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders and social services. Uh, But we also did some research to help them with getting grants. So we were doing research at the time about impacts of the recession uh, around 2008 to 10, and also kind of understanding how their difference is based on neighborhoods. So eventually I decided to go back to school to get my master's and eventually PhD. And those kind of contribute to my research interests, which are residential segregation and disparities based on uh, housing, wealth, and community institutions. What led me to OU is, um, if you're not familiar with PhD programs, uh, one of the biggest points of advice they give us is that geography is not in your hands. So (laughs) if you want to stay in academia, it's basically where jobs are open. And so I was very fortunate to get two job offers, but ended up uh, coming to OU because it seemed like a really supportive environment. I remember meeting the RCPL faculty and everyone just seemed really welcoming. And so eventually I chose OU, but also because it was like focusing on a mix of research and teaching, which I like. So that's what led me here. That's great. Is there anything in particular you enjoy most about being in the Gibbs College of Architecture? Yeah, so it's been great to learn first, I guess, learning about the different disciplines in the college. So I didn't know anything about like construction science or interior design, but I teach research methods, uh, which is a required class now for most of the graduate programs. They have to do some kind of research class. So that's been really cool to, through the students' work, to get a better grasp of like what is interior design, what's landscape architecture. So I really enjoy learning about the different programs and divisions in the college and with OU overall, I think learning about the context here, um, I know tribal issues are really different than what they were in Los Angeles. Um, I did some work, as I mentioned, with Pacific Islanders who are indigenous groups, but their kind of history is really different, has some more to do with kind of U.S. colonial policies, uh, which is the same thing with 
the tribes here, but they don't necessarily have reservations or rights to land in the same way. And so partly I'm just learning a lot about the context here, kind of uh, Norman and Oklahoma City. And it's great kind of being in a smaller city that's growing. So getting exposure to kind of how things work has been a great experience. Can you tell me about a couple of your current projects? Yeah, so one that is very fortunate to get funding for from the Program Research Enhancement Grant is looking at comprehensive plans, which are the cities and counties and states, they create these plans to basically project out what they want for their jurisdiction over the next 15 to 20 years. And so with a colleague at UCLA, Sylvia Gonzalez, we're looking at whether comprehensive plans in areas that are gentrifying in California, New York, and Portland have any kind of language around anti-displacement. And that would help us signal, or the city or jurisdiction would signal that they understand that there are gentrification pressures in some of their neighborhoods and show that they are planning for residents who may experience displacement. So We're kind of looking at the rhetoric of if these plans are really taking into account some of their lower income residents or racial minoritized groups who may be more vulnerable. Along the lines of rhetoric, I submitted a couple of articles to journals about looking at the start of the pandemic with COVID, how governments were taking into account the increased rates of hate crimes, particularly targeting Asian Americans or people who seem to look like they're Asian because of this false belief that you know China came up with the virus or if it's that people who look a certain way are presumably all from China and that are more likely to carry the disease or spread the virus. So trying to also see, you know, if planners and different government offices were cognizant of these disparities, but also if they are willing to take a stand for their residents. And that's important for planners because it helps us. um, A lot of these groups may be hesitant to talk to their different government officials, get engaged with their city neighborhood. And so if these governments do take a stand for their residents, then it might help to increase some of their public engagement works that they're doing, particularly in COVID when there's a lot of changes going on and they need feedback from their residents on what their needs are. So where did you submit that article? Is there a publication date we should keep an eye out for? This is with a project with uh, John Arroyo, University of Oregon. And we submitted it to Journal of Planning, Education, and Research. And then also there's an Asian American policy journal called AAPI Nexus Journal. So not sure about publication for those, but I do have a publication that got conditionally accepted. It's on some work. It feels so dated now, but it was about uh, activism in 2016. What were immigrant nonprofits doing to support their constituents when, at the time, the administration was pushing a lot of really rapidly enacted policies that were targeting immigrants or refugees and kind of what was happening to the organization. So that's hopefully early next year will come out in a journal called Amerasia Journal, which is a publication that focuses on Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders. Okay, that's cool. We'll keep an eye out for that. What opportunities to collaborate across disciplines at OU have you had? Yeah, that's a great question. There's a professor named Sunny Lee in communications. So 
uh, I just met her casually and we were just chit-chatting and we were able to come up with a research project that we're still editing. So she was telling me about her dissertation is looking at social networks in specifically a Korean church. And so because it's, you know, communication, the way that she was analyzing it was very micro level. So uh, who was getting information from who and who was who's kind of the key people that people turn to for information um, was that say and so bringing in the urban planning part I was thinking about how that could be extended to looking at where do they live and if people that tend to live closer to the church versus those that are further or if they live in certain types of neighborhoods maybe that are higher income you know if those would be the people that are more central to giving information so we found that people that live Further from the church, which tend to be more integrated or wider areas, those are the people that people saw information from. And so the kind of key takeaway from the study is trying to understand that there are connections between individual level and neighborhood level factors in terms of how people are developing their networks, uh, which also extend to perhaps where they're getting information about things like schools or you know good restaurants or you know different levels of information. So. That's in the works. I also had several opportunities to work with Gabby Rios, who used to be in English. She's now at another university, but we did a lot of cool kind of teaching projects where she had come up with this idea to look at oral histories of immigrants and indigenous folks in the state to get a sense of how they do placemaking in different ways. And so that's a project she did with her students. So then I did a follow-up with my class, Planning with Diverse Communities, where they also did interviews with the you know restaurant owners. It could be people who were students who came from another country and kind of how they have connections still across place. So it's not just place in the sense of their immediate neighborhood in Norman or Oklahoma City, but how do they make connections across even different countries? So that was a really cool project. We also did a collaboration around Census 2020, where uh, we were working with Dream Action Oklahoma. They did a couple of presentations for our students, particularly how certain populations are undercounted, and they focus on immigrants given their kind of target audience. And so we were interrupted with the pandemic, but before the pandemic really hit the students had already started to get pledge cards which were these little uh, early information about what the census was maybe some people didn't know about it at all and it's kind of priming them to think about hey it's on the you know you're going to get something in the mail to fill out this survey online and that's used for federal data collection efforts that then fuel money back into your neighborhoods or cities that was really cool. And I think the students ended up getting like more than 800 pledges. They had to do a combination of in-person, but also I think some of them switched to online pledges <laughs> once it was not you know, safe to be out. But that's been really cool. And so I'm looking forward to kind of more ways to collaborate. But those are some of the initial projects that I've been really fortunate to be part of. That's awesome. You know, I remember that census push and the project that you gave your students, and that seems like ages ago, <laughs> given the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of things since then. Yeah. So, given the pandemic, what has been bringing you joy and mm -hmm. giving you life in this time that we're living in when so many of our day to day routines have changed? 
Uh, I think like a lot of people, I went through a lot of different phases in those pandemics. So it was a lot of Tiger King watching maybe in the beginning. I was doing a lot of baking because a lot of the you know great bakeries had to kind of shut down. Um, been doing some online Zumba classes. So the OU gym has been really great about offering hybrid. So if you want to do Zoom classes, you can. So still trying to keep in shape with those classes. I've been also, I think as the pandemic's been going on, I've been kind of less interested in Netflix and trying to get into more fiction reading. What's your favorite book that you've read? So I've been keeping a list. Actually, I've read 48 books this year. Uh, It's definitely increased significantly. Like I was maybe reading a book a month, but since the pandemic, it's gone a lot faster. (laughs) But let me see if I can name a few of my favorites. Um, Miracle Creek by Angie Kim was a really great mystery. Another recent mysteries, uh, Winter Counts by David Heska. And then there's some also historical fiction books that have been really interesting. Um, There's one called The Library of Legends by Jamie Chang. It's about um, a group of scholars who have to flee. So they bring a bunch of books with them, which is the library and kind of the importance of preserving history and culture through the books. Thank you for joining me for this episode, Dr. Lee. We're looking forward to seeing all of your ongoing projects get published, and we're so glad you were here. Thank you for listening to the Gibbs Spotlight. Tune in next time to hear more stories from the Gibbs College of Architecture.